0: Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and, in the alternative, because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode we continued our look at the testimony of Mary Haskins Gray, the defendant's girlfriend and assistant dressage trainer, and followed it through to the end of prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn's direct examination. In this installment, we conclude our breakdown of Haskins Gray's time on the witness stand. That's all coming up right after the break. Small details are big surfaces. As we concluded our last episode, the trial audio became inaudible for the final few questions of Christopher Shellhorn's direct examination. After Ms. Haskins Gray told the prosecutor that she did not observe the shooting or its aftermath, he concluded his questioning of the witness. Judge Stephen Taylor then invites Barrison defense attorney Edward Belinkus to cross-examine the witness. Belinkus begins by asking Haskins Gray to distinguish between her status as a rider, which she labels as professional, and Lauren Canerac's status, which Haskins Gray labels as amateur. Ms.
2: Gray, you indicated that your status is professional, correct? Correct. Uh, what is Lauren Canerac's position?
3: Um, as far as I know, adult amateur.
2: What is the quality of her riding
1: ability?
3: Objection.
4: What's the basis for the objection?
1: I think there could be a, a foundation, sorry, there could be a foundation laid, but I don't think there's any foundation for that question to be asked. I think it also calls for opinion, but depending on the nature of the foundation. She's the trainer judge. She watched her over an extended period
0: of time. Belinka said, quote, she's a trainer judge, and she watched her over an extended period of time, end quote. Judge Taylor responds.
4: I don't, I don't know. I'll I'll agree with your characterization over an extended period of time, but she did indicate that at points she worked with Ms. Canterach prior to the defendant. So I I don't find the question objectionable. I'm not sure of the relevance, but I'll I'll allow counsel some uh, leeway in that regard.
2: What's Lauren Canterach's riding
0: ability? She actually
3: has quite a bit of ability and, and capability to be a great rider. But She rides as an amateur, if that's what you're asking.
2: And do uh, you consider yourself a better rider, more accomplished rider than she?
3: I wouldn't say a better rider. It, you don't even really have to have talent if you want to put the time in and, and work on getting better. I have um, competed more and have more uh, like accolades because I've been doing it a long time, but the average person can learn to ride if they want to put the time in. Or down. Or, uh,
2: did Lauren Cataract put the time in based on her observations of her?
3: Not necessarily. Did she always show up uh, when she was scheduled to ride? Most of the time, not. Did she cause
2: disruption within the stable for the dressage business while she was there?
3: A lot of times, yes.
2: So the prosecutor asked you specific questions about the farmhouse, the three different living areas. Uh, directing your attention to July of 2019, that was after there was a flood, correct?
3: Correct. And.
2: Where was Michael Barrison when that flood occurred? In Florida. With you? Yes. Was anyone living in the house at at that time to your knowledge? Not
3: to my knowledge, no. And in the summer of
2: 2019, was the house under construction? Yes. Where you and Michael were living on the main floor of that uh, farmhouse, was that partially uh, being uh, renovated?
3: It was. I don't think it had started yet, but it was gutted and empty.
2: It was gutted. there was no insulation. No. Could you hear the tenants above you? Yes. Lauren and Robert Gooden, correct? Correct. And did there become a problem with them living above you?
0: Yes. Belinkus next pivots to asking Haskins Gray about the differences in how Michael Barrason treated her and Miss Cantorak in terms of the expectations and the rigor of their respective training regimens.
2: Would you agree with me that he didn't push Lauren Cantorak as hard as you, correct? Absolutely not. Did he believe that she did not have the talent or the drive Objection. to do that?
4: Yeah. Um, I think that's objectionable about what was in Objection. Mr. Barrison. So question will be stricken. Move on.
2: Now, you indicated on directive that Michael Barrison's reputation means a lot to him, correct? Correct. Did, does your reputation mean a lot to you? Sure. And was your reputation attacked by Lauren Canerat and Robert Goodwin? Yes. Did they basically do the same thing to you that
0: they were doing
4: to Michael Barrison. Hold on a sec. Let me see that sidebar.
0: Judge Taylor here continues a pattern of calling for sidebar conversations with the attorneys, during which he corrects and or reprimands defense attorney Belinkus for playing fast and loose with the rules of evidence. Each time this happens, Belinkus rephrases his question, seeking to comply with the judge's instructions.
2: You indicated that Michael Barrison's reputation is important to him, correct? Correct. Do you know any other professional athlete or dressage trainer whose reputation is not important to them? No, sir. Now, do you have personal information with regards to Lauren Canterat attacking Michael Barrison's reputation? Yes. And again... The prosecutor brought out that you, you sent 750-some pages to SafeSport with respect to a complaint that you made against Lauren Kendrick, correct? Correct. What was in those 750 pages that the prosecutor brought out in to
4: You mean generally speaking?
2: General, generally generally speaking.
3: speaking. All of the horrible things that she had said about us and had said to other people, horrible threats and abuse on social media.
2: And you specifically sent the actual post with her words to them, correct? Correct. You sent social media posts with regards to <laughs> threats that were made against you and Michael Barrison, correct? Correct. And, and Michael Barrison saw these threats on social media, correct?
3: Correct.
4: How do you know that?
3: We would look at them together.
4: Okay. Next question.
3: And, and could you tell me
2: what effect, what impact did those social media posts have on Michael Batterson?
3: We both were, ever, we were terrified of what it was building to and what was coming next. He was absolutely petrified and terrified.
2: And did you or he do anything with regards to hiring certain people to try to protect yourself? We did. Is it the fact that a private security guard was hired to sit? at the top of the hill in front of the stables to guard the stables and the people inside? That's correct. Were you concerned about just your or your staff's personal safety or the safety of the horses in the stable? Both. Did any of the clients take precautions with regards to protecting their horses based on these social media posts? Yes, sir. What did they do?
3: Slept in front of the horse's stalls, and some of the ladies were super concerned about the status in the barn and what was the threats being made.
2: It's your testimony that <laughs> grown women would actually sleep in front of the horse stables? Correct. Because they were concerned for their own horse's safety? Correct. And can you tell me what effect did you observe that had on mycathosum?
3: I mean, everything just was materializing more and more every day that she was doing, and he was absolutely unraveling.
2: Now, was a private investigator hired to do a complete background check on Lauren Canerac and Robert Goodwin? Correct. And is that one of the things that you sent to SafeSport?
3: Yes. I think so, Yes. yes.
2: And I'm not asking you what was in that. Can you tell me what impact that had on Michael Barrison when he got that background check on both of those people?
3: We were horrified. These people were living on our property and were unaware of these things.
2: Were you afraid of them? I was, yes. Was Michael Barrison terrified
3: of them? Yes, sir.
0: In the next portion of his cross-examination, defense attorney Balingas reviews with the witness her awareness of the financial pressures created on the defendant by the so-called harassment allegedly perpetrated against him by Ms. Kanarek and Mr. Goodwin. Now, let's
2: talk about his business for a second. It takes a lot of money to run a horse stable, correct?
3: Correct. The
2: prosecutor showed you some breakdown that Michael had sent you, correct? Correct. Did Michael usually always make his payments and keep things afloat? Always. And was, was it a struggle at times like it is for everyone else? All
4: right, Mr. Belinkis. everyone else isn't on trial here, so keep your questions and comments to the issues in this case, please.
2: You indicated that Michael Barasone always paid his bills, correct? Correct. Irrespective of a cash flow problem, You're also aware of the fact, because you're familiar with his business and his personal finances, that he had millions of dollars worth of assets, correct? Correct. He owns the farm in Florida, free and clear, correct? Correct. He owns a number of horses which could be worth close to a million dollars, correct? Correct. And he has some investment accounts, correct? Correct. And even though times it was a struggle to keep all the bills paid, at some point in time. He told Lauren Canrach
1: to Objection. Get... We discussed this at the break, Your Honor. To leave. Here, I'm sorry? To leave the property.
4: Well, oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me see at sidebar.
0: Again, Judge Taylor reminds Edward Belenkis of the rules of evidence during the sidebar. But when they resume, Belenkis again runs afoul of the hearsay rule. Now,
2: the prosecutor, uh, asked you questions with regards to a text like no one officially told Lauren Canarak to leave. Remember that text? Yes, sir. Isn't it a fact that numerous people had told Canaract it's time to leave, <laughs> Judge?
4: What, again, Mr. Balenka's I just ruled on that.
2: Judge, I thought I was referring to response to that text. Judge, I'll move on.
4: If if you get look, the text message was read. If you want to refer to the text message, that's fine. But I, I ruled it's, it's improper to go outside of what this witness testified to in the text
2: message. With regard to that text, it says that no one officially told her to leave, correct? Correct. Isn't it a fact that unofficially numerous people told her to leave?
0: Uh, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, let's take our lunch break now. This time, the sidebar conversation is recorded and we can hear how prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn argues his objection to Edward Belinkus' line of questioning.
1: It obviously goes to the defendant was not looking to get rid of her because he was not in fear. He did not have a reasonable belief that he had to act in self-defense. So that text message goes to show his state of mind It is not offered. I recognize it came in that way, but it's not offered to show whether or not she was actually told because her state of mind, whether she was actually told or not, has no relevance, really, or bearing on his guilt or not guilt.
0: Belinkus formulates his response
1: judges.
2: That's not the impression that was created with that text that I objected to. He says official, the jury has the impression that up until right before the shooting, no one ever told Cantorak to leave. And that's a conversation they had with my client. And I can't put my client on
4: you can. can
2: judge that your,
4: that you, you choose not on. to. That's,
0: that's up to you. So I don't say you can't to put them on. You can. It is somewhat shocking to hear Judge Taylor so flippantly discount the defendant's Fifth Amendment rights. But belinkus instead reasserts his substantive argument.
2: Letting that text in, Judge, it creates a prejudicial impression that Barrasone basically was sitting on his hands, which again falls into the line of what the prosecutor was saying that he wasn't afraid of. And she was told by different people, you know, that Barrison... I know,
4: but, but, but here's the thing. Her state of mind, Canerac's state of mind, that's not really an issue. It's it's Mr. Barrison's state of mind.
2: I'm talking about Mary Haskins Gray, Judge. When she... If you want
4: to ask her, if she asked Miss Canerac to leave, you can do that. That's her testimony. She did it. She can tell you about it. When it happened, where it happened, what the reaction was.
2: Can she also explain, Judge, that that word with regards to official, that she was aware that other people?
4: No. All
2: right.
4: Because how does she she get that information from other people? It doesn't matter. It's still hearsay. If you want to call other people in to testify about it, then call other people. You can't bring out your whole case through one witness and say, well, it's other people. It's inappropriate. He can't cross-examine that. You want to bring in a meeting that she wasn't even attending. That's complete hearsay.
0: I'm not going to allow it. I can ask this witness if she did and when she did it and the circumstances. That much I'll allow, but not other people. And with that, Judge Taylor sustains the prosecutor's objection. When Ms. Haskins Gray returns to the stand, Belinkus rephrases his question. The first part of his question is a bit garbled, but he simply refers to the texts regarding when Mr. Barrison officially asked Lauren Kanarek to leave his property.
2: Ms. Gray, I'm referring to the post that you testified to uh, on direct uh, in response to the prosecutor's question with regards to Lauren Cataracts officially being told to, to leave. Did you personally at any point tell her to leave prior to that? text message?
3: I do believe that at some point I said, if you're so unhappy, then why don't you leave? Yes.
2: And do you know approximately when in time that was made? I don't recall. Now, prior to that text, were you involved personally with Michael in contacting an attorney to start legal proceedings to get them out? Yes, sir. And what's the name of that attorney? Uh, Stephen Tarshis. And did there come a period of time, approximately a month, where the father was in Europe and everything was stalled? Yes, sir. Who is the person making all the decisions based on your interactions with regards to Lauren Cataract and her staying on the farm? Michael
3: and the father? Is that what you're asking me?
2: When you say the father. Lauren's well, father. Was it Lauren's father who negotiated everything with Michael to your Nothing knowledge? But,
4: let's just, uh, how does she, do you know that fact? Were you present during the negotiations?
3: No. Okay.
2: With regards to those hostings that you, you talked about on CROSS, did you ever see Michael Barrison break down in response to what he saw on those social media posts?
3: Yes, sir. And and
2: can you describe some of those instances to the jury?
3: He continued to become more and more fearful, um, to unravel, to be in panic, sheer panic. To say we were concerned or worried was an understatement. But as things escalated day by day, his deterioration increased.
2: Did did he ever break down and literally get into a fetal position? Yes, sir. You witnessed that? Yes, sir. Now, uh, you were asked about a number of pictures the stable area after you fled the farmhouse with michael and your child you were living in that club room that was depicted correct correct and that's a pretty right there that whole room is surrounded by wood ceilings walls yes the office is surrounded by uh, the same thing wood yes sir big heavy doors wooden doors correct yes sir now did there come a time when you believed that your private conversations were being reported? Yes, sir. And when was that?
3: I would say when we had moved up there, so the end of July going into August was when we determined that was happening.
2: And how did you make that determination?
3: Lauren would text and taunt Michael over things that only we had discussed in private.
2: Things you discussed in private in the club room?
3: Club room and office.
2: The office where the safe is? Yes, sir. And when Lauren would post something on social media, did she always keep it up or would she delete it?
3: A lot of times it would be deleted. Some things were left up, yes. uh,
2: But other things were, in fact, deleted, correct? Correct. And, And at times, did you take or try to take screenshots of those things to document the exact words that were being said? Yes, sir. Now, were you present on the four occasions that Michael Barrisone called 911? Yes, sir. On August 31st, When the police arrived, did you personally hear him say? Objection.
4: No, Mr. Belinkus. Sustained.
0: Again, Belinkus touches the third rail of the hearsay rule.
2: You were present for each time he called 911, correct? Correct. And I'm not asking you what was said, but he had a conversation with the police on each occasion, correct?
3: Absolutely, Yes.
2: Did you personally see him try to show them some of these posts or screenshots? Yes, or, I did. And, and what was their reaction?
3: They did not take it seriously.
2: And what effect, if any, did you observe those interactions have on Michael Barrisome?
3: It made it all a lot worse.
2: Did it make it worse for you?
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: So The prosecutor talked to you about uh, the type of person Michael Barrison was with regards to his business, uh, specifically that, you know, how he ran his business. You indicated, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, that you expressed concern with regards to how Michael Barrison was conducting his day-to-day business operations, correct?
3: I did, yeah. Uh,
2: Was Michael Barrison in a fragile state of mind running the business at that time?
4: Mr. Balinkas, let me see that outside more, please, for a minute.
0: Again, Balinkas appears to violate the rules of evidence, in this case by calling for an opinion from the witness without establishing a foundation for the witness rendering such an opinion. Judge Taylor does not even wait for an objection and calls Balinkas to the sidebar. When they resume, the defense attorney again rephrases the question. Ms. Gray. Yes. First of all,
2: before I answer the next question, You said that Michael Barrison was in a fetal position. Did that happen more than once? Yes. How many times?
3: It could be quite often.
2: And was he depressed? Yes, sir. Was he severely anxious? Very much. At any point in time when you saw him going through all of this, did he ever become angry? No. Have you ever seen any violence displayed by Michael Barrison at any point? in your relationship with him.
3: No sir, no violence.
2: He yells a lot sometimes, correct? Correct. Now, did those things, those specific things that you just described with regards to his reaction to these events affect his ability to run His business...
3: Yes, very much.
2: ...affected his ability to make decisions at times. Yes,
4: sir. Yeah, that's Mr. Belinkus. I'm not sure she's... If you want to get into specifics about it, but, you know, you're asking her to opine on the defendant's state of mind in that question. So, the objection's sustained.
2: Now... The prosecutor asked you questions with regards to michael's divorce from his wife vera and showed you a specific text message to your knowledge does michael have a good relationship with his ex-wife yes sir so when he talked about having to pay her nine hundred thousand dollars plus in that text, do you believe he held any animosity towards her based on
1: that judge can, can we be heard at sidebar
0: Prosecutor Shellhorn again appears to object based on the hearsay rule, and again, it seems the judge sustains the objection.
4: Hi, questions being withdrawn by Mr. Belenkas.
2: Now, the prosecutor asked you questions about George Morris and the safe sport band. Do you recall those? I do. Now... Did Lauren Canaract file a complaint against you with yes. Safe Sport? Yes, sir. And how did that turn out?
1: Objection. What's the basis for the objection? I don't know what the relevance to the outcome of any of Safe And yeah, what, what does that uh, mean? Her
2: knowledge of safe, safe sport and it relates to the testimony of Mr. Morris.
4: Oh, I don't see it relevant what the outcome of it was or the nature of it.
2: Now there's been testimony on direct that you sent Safe sport hundreds and hundreds of pages, correct? That's correct. Did you have any uh, contact with them by way of email?
3: At what time?
2: At any point in time prior to the incident. I did. To your knowledge, in your presence, did Michael have any contact with SafeSport by email?
3: Well, but not SafeSport directly for either of us. We were talking to uh, Sonia Keating on email.
2: And, and again, did, did you sometimes draft the emails for Michael? Sometimes, yes. I'm going to show you Defense Exhibit 1000B and refer you specifically to number 274, Brooks, Yes. It's great. I'm going to show you D 1000B, and refer you to a specific email on August 3rd, number 274, and if you to read this whole thing.
3: Okay.
4: To herself.
2: Yes.
3: Out loud?
2: No, to,
4: okay, to okay. yourself.
3: Okay.
2: Do you recall helping Michael draft that email? I do. Judge, I'd like to introduce that
0: and read that email at this time. I would object.
4: Do you have a copy that the court can see? I don't. No, think up, I have come, up, copy come up to sign more.
0: It would appear that Judge Taylor sustains the prosecution's objection as Belinkus no longer asks Ms. Haskins Gray to read the email.
2: Uh, you indicated on direct examination that in July, 2019 that the relationship with Lauren Canerac was toxic unhealthy. Did you ever discuss personally with Michael Barrison having Canerac removed from the property? Yes sir. And you've already talked about getting a lawyer involved correct? Correct. Prior to August was Lauren Canerac's father in Europe Yes, sir. To your knowledge, was he contacted with regards to
4: by who? By- Again, I, this with knowledge—that's could be based on hearsay. If she contacted him, that's one thing. She's got to have a basis for her knowledge.
2: Were you there when anyone personally contacted the father? Yes, sir. Who contacted the father? Michael Barrison. Did he send objection, the Judge?
4: Well, I didn't even hear the, see- the que- I didn't hear the question yet, so I can't rule on it. So let Mister. The link is, finished the question, and then I'll rule on it. What's your question?
2: Were any of these postings sent to the father, to your personal knowledge? Yes. Now, you indicated that your father came up in the beginning of August, correct? Correct. Who asked him to come up?
3: I think both Michael and myself did.
2: And why did you ask your father to come up?
3: Because I was
2: terrified. Did anyone else come up to the state table <clears throat> when things started to get... Toxic.
3: Yes, sir. Who? Uh, Dr. Ruth Cox.
2: And when you say Dr. Ruth Cox, is she a uh, psychologist? Yes, sir. And that's the woman you said was sleeping in front of her horse's uh, stall? Yes, sir. Now, after you started living in the clubhouse with Michael Barrison, did things get worse as far as the social media attacks?
3: A lot worse, yes.
2: And isn't it the fact that Lauren Canarac would come up late at night with a flashlight to taunt you and the people in the stable area?
1: The I'm, the- I'm going to object to the continued use of the word taunting and Fine. threatening. I've obviously Yeah, can, yeah I
4: mean that's the witness hasn't testified about that. You can ask her what she observed okay. herself from her own personal knowledge, but don't characterize it.
2: Okay. Did you observe Lauren Canarac? Coming from the farmhouse area up towards the stable area in the
3: woods, turning her flashlight on and off. I think that was Michael that saw that.
4: All right. We'll strike that answer then. If it's not the witness's answer, she has no personal knowledge of it. It's hearsay if it was told to her. So, members of the jury, please strike from your memory that last answer. You can't use it for any purpose.
2: It's great. with regards to the social media post. Did Lauren Canerac use any of your private conversations with Michael Barrison and post them on social media? Yes, sir. You were asked specific questions with regards to your son and his relationship with Michael Barrison. (coughs) Michael Barrison ever alone with your son, you not being there?
3: Not to my knowledge. Maybe in passing or we were always together.
2: Now, did Michael Barrison love your son? Very much.
4: Mr. Belinkus, this witness can't testify about the defendant's state of mind. Directing you ask her about her relationship, but not Barisone's, Mr. Barrison's feelings about other people. That's not proper. Directing, Sustained.
2: Directing your attention to August 7th. Now, DCPP comes to the farm, correct, or stable area.
3: Correct.
0: Belinkus here refers to the Child Protective Services caseworker who showed up at the Barrison farm on August 7, 2019.
2: You have a meeting with her in Michael Barson's office,
1: correct? Correct. And, and there she told you that there was an allegation. Ob- objection. It's what she can't what's, it, what's the basis to it? of it? Hearsay. She can't testify to what somebody else told her.
4: Mr. Bolinkus, don't make comments. Come
1: this
0: Once again, apparently reprimanded by the judge for violating the hearsay rule. Balinkis rephrases the question.
2: Michael Barson continually opened it, the door and came in the office while you were talking, correct? Correct. Did DCPP tell you who made the allegation? No.
4: Just answer yes or no. No.
2: Did she give you any indication who may have done It's the
4: same that? question.
2: It's different, question. she didn't give
4: it. She didn't give a name, but an indication. You're just asking the same question a different way.
2: Did she say anything with regards to who made the allegation? She said it
4: came okay. from oh, that's hold, hold on. Th- this is hearsay. Just answer yes or no. Did the DCP and P workers specifically tell you who made the allegation? Just answer yes or no. Yes, sir. No.
2: Right. As, as you sit here today, are you afraid of Lauren Cataract? Objection.
4: That's sustained.
2: Did Robert Goodwin ever threaten you? Yes, sir. Did an incident happen on August 8th? Objection. Yeah,
4: yes. Yeah. August 8th. It's after.
1: Day That's it. After,
2: day after the shooting, there was an interaction,
4: Judge. Between Mr. Goodwin and the witness? Yes,
2: and the father.
4: What what's, they, the, what's the relevance of that?
0: Come Judge Taylor once again hashes out the prosecution's objection at sidebar, and once again, Edward Belinkis shifts the tack of his questioning.
2: When you believed that the private conversations were being recorded, did you or Michael do anything with your knowledge to try to address that situation and determine what was going on? Yes, sir. What did you do?
3: We hired uh, like a private investigator type person that did debugging to come to the farm and go through our office, club room, locker area to look for recording devices. And very good, Judge, I believe I'm done.
0: Judge Taylor asks the prosecution if they have anything further for this witness.
4: Any I redirect Mr. Sean Horn?
1: Yes, sir, if I may. Yes. Ms. Gray, you were asked about Dr. Cox coming to visit the farm in those days of August 2019. Yes, sir. Had she ever wanted to sleep in the barn near the horses before? No. She had never been warned not to sleep in the barn because it reflected poorly on the business?
3: I like. Wait, I mean, I don't think she slept in the bar now prior to this.
1: Judge, if I could uh, have a sidebar, I'm going to show the witness. You mean a breakout room? Uh, I'm sorry, a breakout room. I, yes, thank you. Breakout room. And I'm going to show her S-171. And I'm going to direct your attention to line 5735. Is that a text message from Michael Barrisone to you on December 7th, 2018? That's correct. And does that refresh your memory that... The defendant told you, Ruth gave me a never-ending text about how she needs to be near Dee Dee and how could I be so cruel to not let her sleep in the bar?
3: That is what that says, yes.
1: Judge, if I could also have permission to show the witness what's been marked as S-172? Sure, in the breakout room, right? In the breakout room. Yes. And I'm going to direct your attention to line 2043. I don't
2: see that
1: counsel. Is that a text message between you and Ruth Cox on December 4th, 2018? Yes. And does that refresh your memory as to whether or not the defendant had advised Dr. Cox no more sleeping on the couch or floor in the club room because it's an Olympic facility, not a trailer park? That's correct. I
2: object to that. It
1: has nothing to do with the stable area. Judge, The implication was that Dr. Cox was sleeping in the bar because she was so frightened and terrified. And this clearly goes to show that she had done that or wanted to do that on prior occasions. It has to do with the club and the Judge, and sleeping on the
4: All right, all right, all right, I get it, I get it. i sustain the objection. Move on, Mr.
1: Right. You were asked a, a number of questions about Mr. Barson's demeanor, I guess, in July and August of 2019. Yes. And I think you were asked a series of questions by Mr. Belinkis, uh, whether he was depressed, severely anxious. Uh, do you remember that line of questioning? Today, yes. Would you say, or would you agree, that the defendant had issues with depression or anxiety before Lauren Kanerak ever came to the, the farm? Yes. And at times, would he make statements to you indicating the extent of that anxiety or depression? Yes. And that was before he even met her? Correct. No further questions, Judge.
0: Edward Belinkus rises for one final round of questions for Ms. Haskins Gray. Did the
2: interaction and what was going on with Lauren and Cataract exasperate those conditions? Very much. Were you afraid, based on that decline, that Michael Barrison was going to kill himself?
3: Yes, that crossed my mind for sure.
2: As late as when in relationship to the shooting?
3: The day before.
2: Nothing. You. Oh,
4: you may step down.
0: And with the conclusion of Mary Haskins Gray's testimony, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we begin our look at the testimony of Justin Harden, an assistant equestrian trainer to Michael Barrison. Also, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at CrimeStory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.